Welcome to House Calls, where we talk to investment bankers from Kane Brothers, a division of Key Bank Capital Markets Incorporated. I'm your host, Dave Johnson, the CEO and the author of The Customer Revolution in Healthcare, delivering kinder, smarter, affordable care for all. I co-author a monthly thought leadership article with a rotating cast of senior bankers from Kane Brothers. In each piece, we do a deep dive on a fascinating sector of this dynamic healthcare industry. Today, we're concluding our four-part series called All Roads Lead to Value, with the final leg in that journey titled Building the Last Mile to the Patient. My co-author, Brian Klonks, is a Kane Brothers Managing Director focused on mergers and acquisitions, particularly in the healthcare information technology space. Welcome to House Calls, Brian, where the bankers like you are always in. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure to be with you and excited to have a discussion today. Perfect. Well, let's get to it. As I mentioned earlier, this is the fourth article in our Road to Value series. In our first article, we looked at how health systems are building out their service platforms to manage risk-based contracts. In our second article, we talked about the middleware companies that are enabling risk-taking for physician groups. In the third, we focused on bringing value-based care to rural America. And in this article, we look at how providers are beginning to connect with patients more directly through various digital technologies. Let's start by talking about something that should be blindingly obvious, but remains a blind spot for a lot of healthcare providers. Why is the patient so important on the road to value? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you think about value-based care, there has to be an effective way to engage patients and consumers and members. And, you know, that's blindingly obvious to put it in your words, but it's easier said than done. And, you know, we're at a place here in the transition to value-based care. I think everyone would agree that that train's left the station and and that's where healthcare is moving. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And that's where We're starting to see a lot of innovation and traction with regard to provider usage of these type of solutions. Let's dig into the dysfunction a little bit before we get to the solutions. So there was a great article a few years ago that was written by Sarah Cliff when she was still at Vox and before she moved to the New York Times. And the article was titled, Unpaid, Stressed, and Confused. Patients are the healthcare system's free labor. And in it, she discusses how difficult it was to get the healthcare system just to meet her basic needs. So, talk to us a little bit about that article and what Sarah's getting at when she said it's not even meeting our basic needs. Yeah, it's a great article. And it really highlights the burden of patient coordination with respect to managing the healthcare system. And ultimately, the ensuing frustration that we all, to some degree, have experienced. And, you know, I think her main sort of focus was that historically and, and arguably up into, you know, modern day, that healthcare relies on patients to coordinate the in-betweens, the follow-ups, the reschedules, so on and so forth, and are viewed really as free labor. There should be a, a better approach to the patient consumer and ultimately engagement, helping them achieve their healthcare objectives. Yeah, it's so interesting because we're not talking about the holy grail of patient engagement here. 
where patients are supported by a network of capabilities that allow them to make smarter choices in real time about managing their health, you know, lifestyle choices, healthcare choices, and so on. All we're really talking about is a level of administrative simplicity, right? It should be easy to schedule an appointment. It should be easy to get lab results. It should be easy to have a follow-up chat with your physician if you need to talk to him or her. That's engagement 1.0, and the industry really hasn't been there in a meaningful way. And I don't know if anybody's ever studied it, but it'd be fascinating to see how much quote-unquote free labor goes into things like scheduling appointments, paying bills, dealing with administrative complexity. So that's here, and we're working on the problem. And we were working on the problem a couple of years ago, and then came COVID. COVID has been an accelerant to healthcare transformation in many ways, but perhaps no area has been more affected than the adoption of digital technologies. It was like the healthcare industry had tried everything else to connect with patients and couldn't succeed. And then COVID came and made it absolutely necessary to do that in digital and virtual ways. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you're spot on. And by and large, we're still taking baby steps toward a more meaningful patient engagement, particularly if you line up other industries that are really consumer focused. But within healthcare, you know, there has been some policy changes that have during the pandemic that have you know helped to advance the ball, so to speak. And so if you think about some of the telemedicine easing if you will, regarding oversight and licensure and even, you know, to a certain extent, data rights and transferability, particularly as it relates to the pandemic in support of diagnostic testing and reporting. A lot of the red tape has been cut and the genie's out of the bottle. So engaging patients during the COVID months has become extremely vital to maintaining a level of communication between the patient and that patient's healthcare provider. A lot of folks have put their healthcare on, as has been widely reported, have put their individual healthcare requirements and needs on the back burner. And physicians and other clinicians have, have been somewhat boxed down. And so a logical way then to help rebridge that communication channel is to have a digital outreach that's bi-directional, that patients can communicate back into the healthcare delivery system and vice versa, depending on what those patient needs and, and responsibilities are. Another interesting factor, Brian, that's happened during COVID has just been the sheer amount of investment in digital health tech. It's probably going to top out at around $30 billion this year, which is three times the level of 2019. So talk to us about what's going on with the investment in digital health tech and how that's beginning to unfold in real time and the promise it offers to take this big lumbering industry and enable it to connect meaningfully, at least administratively at first, with consumers. Sure. Look, you know, at the end of the day, competition can be a very good thing. And that's what we've seen within healthcare tech. You have, you know, what I classify as big tech companies 
coming into healthcare and trying to innovate and advance the ball to get more of a consumer experience. And a large part of this stems from, you know, the ongoing transition to value-based care. And ultimately the payers and the providers are more aligned than ever. And there's full awareness and recognition that there are incentives under value-based arrangement that require engaging and improving outcomes at a more cost-effective manner or approach. And all that stems from communication and patient engagement. You know, those are sort of the key fundamentals, if you will, that are driving investment dollars into this particular sector. If you're a payer or a provider or a non-tech company, you're leaning heavily on those capabilities to move into the next generation of care delivery or member support. Glenn Tolman, the CEO of Transcarent and before Transcarent Lavongo, likes to say that great software eliminates the need for navigators and all of the friction and added costs they bring. And it feels to me that Glenn's onto something here, that what a lot of this digital tech is doing is allowing consumers to connect directly with caregivers in ways that eliminate friction, make life easier, simpler, so on. Do you think he's right about that? And if he is, what sort of impact is that going to have on the traditional business models? I think it makes sense. And, you know, great software can can really you know, bridge the divide, if you will, to a certain extent, right? I mean, ultimately, healthcare is very personalized. And so there's going to be a component always that revolves around the user. It's important to make sure that consumer has a voice and their individual needs are met. And so those are some of the challenges as it relates to software development and usage and why engaging that patient in a manner that's significant and meaningful to them will ultimately move the needle. And so if you can solve that puzzle and create a dynamic platform that allows for that patient to feel engaged in a manner that's suitable for them, you're a step ahead of the competition by and large. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other providers and payers that haven't quite gotten up the digital learning curve as fast. Well, let's put some meat on the bones here, Brian. We profiled four companies in the article. Let's talk about the first three, WellHealth, Radix, and Odessa, and what they bring to this new evolving digital marketplace. Sure. So these companies are digital patient communication-based vendors. And so at the core, they're similar in terms of what they offer and the value they generate. You know, they certainly all differ with respect to their IT and their AI codes and their data sets, et cetera, as well as how they go to market and their in-market focus, right? Some of these focus on health systems or IDNs. Others focus uh, more prominently, perhaps, on physician practices and specialties. And some have longer histories than others, right? Odessa is a company that's only been around for a few years. But in, in any event, you know, the value prop that they offer stem from patient engagement, certainly. And how do you measure that? Well, one effective measure that gets providers' attention 
are reducing no-show rates. And that's a solution that folks want to solve for, certainly. However, there are a lot of use case. Again, they're all focused on delivering desirable results on behalf of providers to patients and, you know, ultimately looking to make the patient experience better by capturing data and responses in a useful and optimal manner and really looking to extend those results across a broader platform. These use cases vary, but are centered around, for example, patient intake, utilization management, including broader marketing campaigns to sub-demographic folks, be it, you know, for example, diabetics. And then they're also able to then communicate with that subset in a manner that these folks want to be engaged or communicated with. It could be mobile phone, it could be email, so on and so forth. But, you know, there's certain factors within these outreaches that can be constructed directly from the electronic medical record system as it pertains to certain conditions or treatment plans or medication refill and adherence reminders, et cetera. And then it also extends to scheduling appointments and follow-up and rescheduling, as well as then patient surveys. Wow. There's a lot going on and the power to tailor an individual experience using digital technologies through these various point solutions really, I think, does have the potential to make life easier, not just in general, but as you were just saying there at the end, Brian, with specific subgroups. That gets us, though, to the fourth company we profiled and did a deep dive on Memora Health and their ambitions a little bit bigger than the other three. They compete with WellHealth, uh, Radix, and Odessa, but they aspire to be an omni-channel, almost a backbone solution. We interviewed their CEO, Manav Sevek, who presented at the Kane Brothers Conference in October. Really interesting guy, really interesting company. Brian, talk to us about Memora Health and their big ambition and what they hope to do. Yeah, absolutely. So Memora, their offering does compete with some of those other companies that we had referenced in terms of offering use cases and other digital communication and engagement solutions. However, they are providing more of a digital infrastructure across the patient experience and the underlying data exchange back into the medical record. So They're effectively developing a digital platform that connects all patient-facing technology to manage the experience and improve the engagement while pushing and pulling data back to and from the EHR. One of the underpinnings here is then recording or capturing patient preferences and maintaining those on a go-forward basis. And so, again, this comes back to the individual experience. As I was alluding to earlier, some folks want to interact with a chatbot. Some folks want to speak with an individual. And so when a patient is, is looking to see where their next appointment is online, they have you know, all the other uh, important or, or related uh, options as it relates to um, what else their visit or post-visit will entail. 
And so it really is that omni-channel solution or approach to, you know, comprehensively engage the patient and then help to manage that patient's experience from beginning to end. There are a number of disparate IT vendors across the clinical, financial, and admin portions of a healthcare system. And ultimately, Memora is looking to serve as that single source of truth and digital infrastructure management on behalf of the patient. You know, in many respects, healthcare is boldly going where many industries have already gone before, which is direct connection with consumers. I mean, I think about it when I go on the Marriott website and I can get any room that I want from the equivalent of a student hostel to a presidential suite. I can rent a car, I can order flowers, I can create a unique experience for myself. And it's all done through this very elegant omni-channel platform. And we are so far away from that, even on the basic administrative services. So when you think big picture, Brian, about patient engagement, and we're really struggling to get patient engagement 1.0, this administrative simplicity that we've spent most of our time talking about today, what does engagement 2.0 and 3.0 look like to you? Yeah, it's really you know, in my mind, weaving in some of those wellness activities and applications. And so, you know, if you just step back and look at the various IT solutions that are selling into consumers or that consumers are interested in, right, the Fitbits of the world, et cetera, there's the opportunity to more comprehensively look at the picture and identify what's meaningful to an individual consumer and then overlaying that with their specific geography or wherever they may be at that point in time. And there's just a lot of components, right? If you think about an area that investors are very active in as it relates to this, it includes social determinants, and behavioral type solutions. And a lot of that can be just mental health and wellness. And so there's certainly a big leap if you think about patient engagement 2.0 or 3.0 versus today, but ultimately it it is to, to round out the picture in totality. Wow. How active is this market going to get this and how fast do we get there? Yeah, look, you know, I still think we're in the relative early innings on the digital patient engagement front. There's been a tremendous amount of innovation and companies that have been at this for a number of years. However, from a user perspective, patient consumers want more and expect more. And now healthcare providers recognize that this is a must. You know, we didn't really hit on this yet, but healthcare providers are viewing patients Certainly in terms of, you know, the patient health responsibility component, but also as an important piece to remain competitive in the market. This is a market share opportunity and consumer satisfaction will ultimately carry the day. I agree with you that it's still early innings, but at least we know what game we're playing right now. I think for a long time, healthcare didn't even know whether they were playing baseball or basketball. Well, Brian, this has been a really fun discussion. And you know, I can't let you get away without asking you to make one big, bold prediction for 2022 or beyond. So what's your big, bold prediction? Well, I was going to lead with the Knicks make the finals, but I think that's going to be well beyond 2022. Jets in the Super Bowl or Knicks in the NBA finals, which one comes first? But truth be told, that's too bold. So I I won't even go there. 
But really, the way I see the market is that, you know, it's made up of services and tech vendors in terms of that are supporting patient and consumer engagement. And I think there's going to be as much of a convergence going forward, whereby services providers will continue to invest and enhance their investment in technology companies. In many instances, buy them outright, you know, could be from a competitive or differentiation solution standpoint where they want to own that tech. And I also see technology software providers partnering, continuing to partner with, and in in some instances, build out services capabilities. I do think in many instances, not all, um, software and services certainly go hand in hand. And I suspect going forward, we're going to see more of that, frankly. You know, that's such a great observation. I do think the tech companies are going to start delivering care. I mean, Amazon Care is an example of that, right? A tech company that's getting into the care business. And if you're a traditional provider or payer, you probably should be a little bit afraid, maybe even very afraid. Yeah, great prediction. I think that one's spot on. I encourage all of our listeners to read the series, All Roads Lead to Value. And in particular, Brian and my article, Building the Last Mile to the Patient. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep doing what you're doing to make our healthcare system kinder, smarter, more accessible, and affordable for all. Thanks, Dave. Really appreciate it.